Hi, I'm Christy Lee. Welcome back to the Praise and Worship Podcast. I am truly thrilled to bring you today's special guest, Kirby Capel of House Fires. I have loved her ever since the moment I heard her voice on the House Fires We Say Yes album. The conditions are just right, right now to connect with her and to share this conversation with you. House Fires is releasing some brand new singles these days with a very special new studio version of I'll Give Thanks. Kirby co-wrote and sung that song while on an infertility journey, a painful one, and now she's talking about it from the other side. IVF is also a part of her story, so listen for details on her process. She gets delightfully real about it. And it's also Mother's Day, a season that we know can be really difficult for couples that are struggling with this. I want to invite you into Kirby's story. It may actually relieve and encourage you to press on. There are some keys here for worship leaders too, leading through their own very difficult seasons. And as Kirby and I are both quarantined at home for this interview, spoiler alert, our kids and dogs adorably interrupt. So enjoy. Today, I am chatting with Kirby Capel. She has got one of my favorite voices in music today, some of my favorite songs and stories too. So this is such a treat. Hi, Kirby. Hi, Christy. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Totally. I love that Kirby is set up near her Kauai piano, which you may have seen in some of the other videos. Beautiful, white, upright. Very nice. Yep. Does your piano have a... It's a present for my husband. How long have you had it? Like a couple months (laughs) or since December. Three, how many months has it been? I don't even know. I don't know what day it is. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's a good one. Now, did he wrap it? Was it like one of those big bows they put on the cars during Christmas or like? We went to, um, we went to see it. So he like surprised me. It was a a Craigslist find. This is pretty amazing for a Craigslist item. Um, It's like, babe, is it like 20 years old or something? Uh, 30 years old. Um, but it's in like pristine condition. It was hardly played. And it was in this house in like north of Atlanta where everything in the house had like plastic on it. Yes. You know? And so um, they kept everything super protected. So it's basically like a brand new piano, but it never was tuned. So it was a step and a half down. <laughs> <laughs> a step and a half lower than it should be when we first got it. Did you get to meet the family that played it? Was there a little old lady that, that goes along with this piano or? It was, a, it was his daughter and I didn't meet her, um, but she, they got it for her when she was like 14 and she never played it. <laughs> Funny. And she's grown and moved out of the house and stuff now. So. Oh, well, I, I love it. I also have a kawaii. Mine is not white though. White is very cool. So good for you. I love that that's showing up in your videos. I think we should dive right in to Let's the song I'll, I'll Give Thanks because I've been itching to talk to you about this song for, I would say, a couple of years now. So why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about the song and then I'll, I'll have a few more questions for you. We wrote the song in like the sixth year of um, my infertility journey, somewhere around there. And um, so Tony, JJ from House Fires and I, JJ Plays Keys, we all wrote it. We started it together, um, and it took a while. It took a while to finish because we were all in our own little seasons of different things that made the song and the lyrics very relevant to us. But for me, obviously, with infertility, I had been going through infertility for six years at that point, and just really needed to push through and worship. Really needed those lyrics to get me through and get me connected to God. I'm a worship pastor, so I can't 
I can't, Sunday's always coming. So even when I didn't feel like worshiping, I had to lead people in worship. <laughs> and so the weeks that I felt the most disingenuine in my worship were sometimes the most powerful weeks. And this song, I'll Give Thanks, for us in the moments of writing it, we were just, I don't know, it just, the lyrics just kind of reach in to the core of whatever situation. Like, this season doesn't tell my story. I know he'll move mountains for me, you know, and for some people it, it's about provision. But for me, it was about perspective. You know, I'll give thanks to God when I don't have enough to trust you. You know, we, we can only see so much at a time and, um, that's such a limited perspective. So I'll give thanks to God when I don't have enough. I don't when I don't have as much as I want to require of Him <laughs> to trust Him. <laughs> you know, the writing on the wall or whatever. I'm still gonna press in. I'm still gonna um, have that faith anyway. It's that stepping out in trust and belief and praise and thankfulness, gratitude, even when we can't see. You know. So that's a little bit. I'll get some more. That's a good yeah. launch pad. I can roll with that. So you talk about being a worship pastor while you're going through something like this. And for anybody who's familiar with delayed fertility, infertility, whatever you want to call it, you know, month by month, there's hope and then disappointment. Hope and then disappointment. Seven years of that yeah. is a lot. So I'm curious, first, do you have anything that worked for you? Any tips for people who are trying to lead worship in that circumstance? You know, how, how do you do that? Honestly, you just have to do it. Yeah. And I, know, and I know that sounds like awful. But I do think that push, that extra motivation to have to do it, that almost is, is good. Yeah. It's healthy. Yeah, it's, it's, like a, it's almost like accountability, you know? Yeah. So you just have to. And sometimes you don't get that strength until you actually do it. Right. You know, you don't get the truth of the song that you chose three days before you're leading it because you had to. You don't get the truth of it until you're leading your congregation in it, you know. Um, and for me, I'm just one of these people. I, I wear my heart on my sleeve. I lead that way, too. You know, I'm like, hey, I'm... I'm I'm having a hard time with this truth today. So let's sing it until we believe it. <laughs> let's sing it until we feel something shift, you know. And um, so I guess my answer to your question is to just do it anyway. Yeah. And um, sometimes exactly what you need, the breakthrough that you need comes right when you step on the water, you know, I guess you could say. And if you're the leader, you're doing this on behalf of of people and the gift of going through something as painful as infertility or anything like that is it humanizes you as a leader and makes you more relatable and so you have to know that this pain is like putting you on level ground so to speak with the people that you're leading because they're going through something like this too um, to whatever degree there's varying degrees of different circumstances represented in every group of people and um, when you can grab a hold of your own story and pull yourself into worship, you're undoubtedly going to do that for a lot of other people in the room in a similar situation or in any hard place, you know. Was the studio version of I'll Give Thanks, was that recorded with David Leonard at the Creek Music? Yeah. So he, and he and I have talked about fertility things as well. 
And, you know, mm-hmm. everyone who goes through this, maybe you don't know a lot of people that are going through it until you go through it. And then all of a sudden, there's a ton of people that you realize are going through the same thing. It is so, so common. And it's hard to talk about sometimes, but definitely people come out of the woodwork. So leading worship, going through this, or I feel like it relates to so many other things. People are waiting on promises all the time. And so having a leader who can be honest and who can lead through the storms and the valleys and the waiting of life, I think is really precious. Yeah. And I hear all the time testimonies or just people thanking me for being honest about doubt. Um, Because so often, you know, even especially in in infertility, I think people don't want to talk about it because they don't want to hear the cliche answers of like, well, it's all in God's timing or, you know, like you see, you wouldn't have recorded that album had you had the baby or you wouldn't be able to go on that tour or like whatever. And it's like, see, God knew. And (laughs) which is all true. All of it's true, but it's really unhelpful (laughs) Yeah, when when you're in so much pain. And I I think God wants our questions. I I had more faith renovations in those seven years. I had so many different moments where God renovated my faith. And chiseled away at my own flesh, so to speak. But it was because I was honest about my pain and my doubt. And I told him I was mad at him or I told him I was, I was just honest. And I love the Psalms because David is, let's be honest. He, I mean, the Psalms are his journal. He's saying some ridiculous things in the Psalms sometimes. And one minute he's like, dash their, the kid's heads on the rocks. And then the next minute, He's like, but you're so good and great is your faithfulness and all this stuff. And you're like, okay, that is crazy honesty. And he's asking God where he is and all this stuff. And it gives us permission to just say what we need to say to the Lord. And it brings down all the walls that you have and it rebuilds your relationship and all that. But there's, there's days of distance, weeks even that you go through when you're in that kind of questioning, deep questioning. And no one talks about that. Um, There are people I know that have gone through infertility and never talked about it until after the miracle. And I just so wished they would have given me some kind of template. Like, tell me something, validate something. You mean you didn't doubt at all? Like you just held on the whole time? I don't believe that. Yeah. <laughs> like, help me know that I'm not crazy. And so my husband and I were like, we're going to talk about this. We are going to be um, honest about our story and honest about our honesty with the Lord in the whole process. I do want to get into the story of the name because it's so sweet yeah. and there's so many little things in there that, that are so meaningful. So tell us about naming your daughter. So um, like about... Five years ago, my mom started buying this perfume called Lalia at last. Lalia is the brand name, and it was called at last. And she, I smelled it one day. Um, he, she was like, here, try this. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this smells amazing. Well, I fell in love with the smell. And then um, I looked at the name. I was like, what is this? And it was at last. And, and we were already on the subject of, infertility and like, how are you doing, honey? You know, we were talking about it and it was just a simple, like, Hey, here's some hand lotion. And 
I was just like, man, this is like the miracles coming at last. And she was like, I know I love the name for that reason and all this stuff. And, and then we just started giving it to each other as gifts. She gave it to me for Christmas and like for Easter and different little things, little hand lotions and like little mini perfumes. And then I bought the perfume and it ended up being every time she or I wore perfume or got the hand lotion out, it would be like a prayer prompt to pray for the miracle to come at last um, for this mountain to be moved at last. And she would write things in like cards to me and say at last. Um, so that phrase became a symbol of prayer for us. And then when we found out we were going to have a girl, I had this whole collection of Lalia at last perfumes and hand creams that, cause it caught on to my other family members and some friends. So they would buy me Lalia at last stuff, like a candle. So it was just a thing. People knew it was my prayer prompt and it was like a prophetic thing Totally. and had no idea we would name her Lalia, but we had all these other names picked out to choose from. And then I just looked at my collection of different things and gifts that people had given me. Um, because they were praying for me. A bunch of stuff was in that little group, but a ton of Lalia stuff. I was like, wow, Lalia, that's such a cute name. It means laurel tree. And laurel actually was what my mom was going to name me before Kirby was my name. (laughs) Um, And I thought that's interesting because it would have been my name. Laurel would have been my name, but now it's kind of in a way hers. Laurel, the laurel tree is a symbol of strength and triumph, victory and triumph. It just is perfect. It's perfect. It's beautiful. Just such an encouraging, like to top it all off, to crown the whole journey with a name like that. Such a beautiful story. Yeah. And it's different. It's a, it's a perfume you can get at anthropology. You know, yeah. some, it might be like cliche. Oh, that's a perfume at anthropology. It's like a boutique perfume, but it's so meaningful to me. <laughs> I still wear their perfume and I love it. And we call her Lolly most of the time. It's so cute. Cute too. <laughs> totally. So what about the day that you found out you were pregnant? Like after a drum roll like that for seven years, what was it like yeah. to finally, you know, pee on a stick and get good news? <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I jumped the gun because we did, we did IVF. And um, I was going in for a blood test Super Bowl Sunday of last year. And the night before my blood test, uh, I was like, I'm going to pee on a stick. (laughs) And I did. And it said pregnant. And I was like, no way, no way, no way, no way, no way, no way. And because, I mean, to be totally honest, I had had some bleeding. And... um, Sorry, we got a we got a crying baby situation. It's cool. I'm gonna just take a trip. <laughs> I'm gonna take a trip outside. Nice. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I brought it into the kitchen because we had had some false positives before, but this was a digital pregnancy test. So we just we couldn't believe it at first, but we were freaking out. We held each other and cried for I don't know how long in the kitchen and um, and then had the blood test. And, you know, it was really early, so it, they almost make you feel like you can't get excited yet. <laughs> She's like, oh, we got to wait until you're in the clear or whatever. Um, but, man, 
that feeling once we were fine, like when the doctor was like, this looks so good. This is so looks like a very healthy pregnancy. Um, we, we bought a crib that day. <laughs> it was way early, but we were like, we're going to go buy a crib. So we did. So I can relate because we did IVF and that's how we had our son. And again, Kirby and I have this similarity and then it's like a seven year thing. But yeah, when you get the good news at first, there's still an awful lot that you got to go through before yeah. the doctors will let you get excited. How many times did you do IVF un until you got pregnant with Lalia? Just once. Once? Us too. It was our first okay, time. Okay, good. We tried a bunch of different things before then. Mm -hmm. I had a whole year of different things that we were trying. Um, and you kind of work your way up the ladder, so to speak. And we, honestly, I didn't want to get to IVF. I kind of felt ashamed of it. I felt like, um, I don't know why, but to be honest, um, it was what I needed. It was like a, it was almost like a front row seat to God's workmanship. And my yes. doctor was amazing. She was like, this is the day of the embryo transfer. She, she was like, this is where, um, God takes over. And, and I've, I've been partnered with him from this point, but now he's, it's just him. Going through IVF is, is rough. It is rough. Going through all of this fertility stuff when you get to medical, you know, there's all kinds of crazy things. How about you and your husband going through it together? Do you have any tips for couples that are, are facing that? Like it, it's, it is just so weird. It's so weird, but you're right. Front row seat to all of it. Oh yeah. And honestly, he felt, Rob felt a little bit out of the loop because I was the one doing like trigger shots and different things like that. And then when we got to IVF, I had like a ton more shots and he had to do some of them for me, all the intramuscular ones I couldn't do myself. So he had to do it. So he, he felt like he was a little bit more on the daily journey with me than he had been before. So it kind of, the gift in that was we felt way more partnered and way more together in it. You know, um, he would, he would bring me an ice pack every morning and I'd put it on my, like on my butt. <laughs> it's so sweet. <laughs> and then he'd, um, he'd give me the shot and he'd give, I had to take this pill on an empty stomach too. And it always made me feel sick. So he'd give me my pill, give me my ice pack. He'd go get the shot ready. And then he'd come back and give me the shot while, I hopefully couldn't feel it as much and yeah. it worked. And it was honestly, it was such a sweet season because I just, he was just doing such servant things for me all the time. I mean, giving me shots every day and he learned how to do it. He was shocked that he had to learn that the only instruction that the clinic gave him was a YouTube, a link to a YouTube video. He was like, is this for real? I don't get to like, I don't have to have a class. Right. <laughs> This seems like too, I don't know. It, he just didn't feel qualified, but he, he did it and he did it really well. So it was unifying for sure. Yeah. In a fun, it, and, and that's what I mean. Like IVF ended up being healing um, for us because of how much it unified us, how much it kind of got us into the process a little bit more. Um, you kind of get a weird um, a weird front row seat and it feels like control and a lot of there's some controversy too people are like you're playing god or whatever it's like no i i i get to watch him <laughs> in a way that i wouldn't 
have been able to, and it's, it's pretty amazing. It is amazing. Life is such a gift and it takes so much, so much Mm -hmm. for any of us to get here on this planet. And you really come to appreciate it when you can see it on a cellular level. I know. I know. It's, it's really amazing. Day by day, everything changes. And I, I, would, I would call the clinic every few days and I'm like, how are the blastocysts doing? Yeah. <laughs> you know? And like all these, would use all these other terms that I'm not going to bore anyone with, but you probably know. You I know, know like, them, yeah. <laughs> Did you get um, to like, you got to see her, Lalia, yeah. bef- like before she was transferred. Yeah. Like, did you ever get like a picture of that or anything? I did. I it's did. The, and my, it's the weirdest little thing. I know. My friend made a watercolor of oh. the embryo too. It's so sweet. Mm. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful story out of just a whole mess of stuff that leads up yeah. to this. Uh, I'm curious now singing that song, I'll give you thanks now. So you sang it before you sang it in what year six now it's the new yep. single from House Fires. You've got a studio version that you recorded. Was she? She was in the studio. Was did yeah, I see pictures of was. her with you? Yeah, like, she and was. And then doing this song, it's amazing singing it on it both is. sides. I have so much joy singing this song, and I am on the other side of it now. So it's it's a different perspective, and there are other things that that it applies to at any given moment. You know, other situations in my own life, but. Um, it, it is, it's a different kind of joy and yeah. delight. And I just, I have this lightheartedness about, about myself when I sing it. And I think about the people that, that are singing along and that it could be freeing for, cause it was so powerful for me, you know, um, every breath I breathe is an, is an invitation to believe you're creating something good, you know? And it's like, that is so, so true. I see the hand of God so much more clearly on the other side of this. And um, I'm thankful for, lang- for this language. Even though, you know, my friends and I wrote it, it's probably my favorite worship song because of how personal it, it is. And I'll never forget um, Cass Langton from Hillsong. She talked about songwriting and she said, the, get- the thing about songwriting is you get to, the privilege of it is you get to put words and language into people's mouths that they wouldn't have otherwise had to get through a moment and to get through a season and to just even simply connect with the Lord in a way that they wouldn't have been able to without that language, at least not specifically. And this song encapsulates that idea, you know, um, it is one of the most powerful worship songs that I've ever worshipped to and written. That along with Pain and, Pain and Grace, which is also about infertility. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's a gift. It's a gift to be on the other side of it. Because I believe this for people. I believe it will change their minds about God and change their minds about where God is in their circumstance. Because he's always moving, always working. Um, even if he's just like sitting there holding your hand. There's so much we don't see. We only see this much at a time. I mean, my goodness, um, who are we to question? But in and through our questions, 
that's the truth he brings is that I'm actually doing a lot that you can't see. (laughs) And it's really beautiful. It's really beautiful. I'm so, so, so happy for you and your, in your family. Um, Thank you you so much for sharing all of this, especially we're very close to mother's day. I know that that can bring some stuff up people, you know, some stuff bubbles up. Oh, I used to hate mother's day. It's rough. And people speak extra hopeful encouragements to you at Mother's Day that can just be lemon juice on your raw heart. Um, So I hope that this helps. I hope it gives a little perspective, a little honesty about the good and the bad and just how it really feels for people who are in a season like this. I'm loving the new music from House Fires and Friends, and I'm really looking (laughs) forward to lots, lots more. So Kirby, thank you for talking with me today. Well, it's nice to meet you, Christy. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Kirby. See ya. Okay. Bye. Big thanks to Kirby Capel. This interview will stick with me for a very long time. It really was very meaningful. I loved it. And I hope that it gives some life and some lift to your heart. Check out Kirby's song, I'll Give Thanks, and that other one she mentioned, Pain and Grace. These are both great for you and may even be shareable for someone you know going through something similar. And join me Sunday mornings on WJTL for a praise and worship playlist from 6 till 10. A special Mother's Day edition is coming up with songs from lots of amazing worship leading moms. More details at my social media. Follow along. Connect with me. Just search WJTL Praise and Worship on Facebook and Instagram. And P.S. We mentioned David Leonard in this conversation. You can catch him on an earlier episode of this podcast talking about his experience with infertility, including miscarriage from a man's perspective. He too wrote songs on that journey, which are collected in his latest record, The Weight. I highly recommend it. As always, thanks for listening to the Praise and Worship Podcast. And since you're here to the very end, I'll give you a little bonus content. Here's the very first time we were interrupted by my dog, her dog, my kid, and her kid all at the same time. It was simultaneous and kind of amazing. So here you go. A little real life trying to work from home and record it for a podcast. This is the stuff that happens. Sorry, there's like a lot going on in my house right now. Can you over Can you hear? I'm guessing. Is there a dog? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Is it too loud? Do I need to go? There's a dog. <laughs> my five-year-old is upstairs. He's supposed to have the dog now. He's downstairs. So there's a lot going on. Take care of your dog. That's fine. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> it's fun um, to be on, on this side of it now with kids and dogs and, you know, answers to prayer. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess, do you want to see her real quick? Can we see Holly? Yeah. Here's oh, Mommy. Mommy, oh. Hi. She's Hi. awake and bright eyed. How sweet. Let me see. I'll pin the video so she can see herself. She loves to see herself. Hi, you see you? There you are. <laughs> oh, how sweet. Okay. <laughs> oh, see, now my, my kid wants to be in the video too. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, he's gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna make sure he gets back upstairs. Watch Star Wars. I'll be right back. Come on. Come on. Come on. Okay. I am back. That was fun. See, this this is real life now. Kids are they're all into everything. So <laughs> wonderful you'll stuff. Have to, you'll have to give me the tips. 
Well, um, they, none of them work. So today my tips were <laughs> gummy bears and Lego Star Wars. And that worked a different time, but it's not working today. So we'll see what happens.